Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus. <laughs> Whatever time it is that you're hearing this broadcast, it's time uh, to to take some time to really get down into God's Word, and more importantly, to get God's Word down inside of us. If you're a Christian today, I pray that the, that your heart will be a good ground heart, because the Word of God sown into a good ground heart, like seed in in agriculture. Praise God, it's going to bring forth fruit. Jesus said, some 30, no less than 30, some 60, but even some 100-fold. Amen. I had an evangelist used to come to our church, and he used to sing, I'm running, trying to make 100, because 99 and a half just won't do. Well, he had a high standard that he was holding. Praise God. I'm running, trying to make a hundred too. Praise God. I've never, never made that, I'm sure, but I am set on doing my best, putting my best foot forward for Christ. I want to be like Uncle Bud Robinson. He spoke with a lisp. He didn't have a formal education, biblically or otherwise. Uh, and people really laughed at him, his his inability to, to express himself. But when he preached with such passion and compassion and with an anointing from God, people came to know Christ as their Savior. Praise God. It isn't might nor power, is it? It's by my Spirit, saith the Lord. So we just depend on the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to guide us into truth today. Amen. From the Word of God. We're glad you're here today. Amen. We're talking about a Christ worth living for and a crown worth dying for. And if you have your Bibles, if you will open today uh, to Second Timothy Chapter 4, verse 5 through 8. Second Timothy, chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. We're going to talk about another crown today. The crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. It's a reward given to those who are faithful in that that God has called us to do. Praise God. And may I say also faithful in that that God has called us to be. Amen. So we'll explain some of these things as we go along with the help of the Holy Spirit today. Amen. Now, I want to finish something about Uncle Bud Robinson, such an inspirational man who had uh, none of the great abilities education-wise and vocabulary-wise that many speakers have today. So he leaned heavily upon the Holy Spirit. And when you lean on the Holy Spirit, uh, you're not going to get what you can do. You're going to get what God can do by His Spirit. (laughs) Hallelujah. So that's why we're leaning on the Holy Spirit today. Learning to lean, finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Well, listen to this scripture. Speaking of the crown of righteousness, it said, but watch thou in all things. Paul's letter of encouragement and instruction to his protege, really, Timothy. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. 
I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only me, but me only, rather, but all them that love his appearing. There's something about longing for the return of Christ and therefore looking for the return of Christ that will help to keep us focused and keep our eyes on the prize. Surely there's a crown laid. It helped him to keep the faith. It helped him to fight the good fight of faith. And it helped him to finish his course. That means all God had purposed for him to accomplish in his life. He had the release to know that is done. So it's okay to go to heaven. <laughs> it's okay to die a martyr's death to get the crown of life and the crown of righteousness. It's appropriately called the crown of righteousness because it will be the recompense for our service to the Lord. You know, the Bible said that God is not unrighteous to forget our work and labor of love and that we minister unto the saints and do minister. Amen. Be not weary in well-doing, the Scripture teaches. <laughs> Thou shalt be rewarded if you faint not. And this is important today to someone listening to this broadcast in this audience. Amen. It's easy to get weary in well-doing. You're not always recompensed by people for being just laying down your life in their behalf and sowing into them. People won't always be thankful. People won't always appreciate you for that. Remember, Jesus healed ten lepers, and they took off, and they went and showed themselves to the priests so they could be brought back into Jewish culture, that they were healed. And instead of coming back, all of them bowing at Jesus' feet, recognizing who he was and giving him gratitude, only one came back. Does it matter to God? Does he take notice of that? It mattered to Jesus, dear friend. He said, were not ten healed? And only this one has come back. And he talked about his faith making him whole, not just healing the outward part of him, but healing his immortal soul when he bowed at the feet of Jesus and showed him gratitude. He also must have recognized him as his sovereign and his savior. Praise God. God's smile of approval will outshine the jewels and gold of the heavenly city. Listen to Matthew twenty five twenty one. It says, His Lord Jesus speaking, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou in to the joy of thy God. That's why Paul's writings to Timothy were so important to all of us who tend to get weary in well-doing, who, who, who find ourselves sometimes discouraged. God cares about that. God wants to not disqualify you or me because we get discouraged sometimes. He wants to encourage us. And that's why Paul's letter to a discouraged man, Timothy, he reminds me in the New Testament of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. 
because Jeremiah became deeply discouraged, so deep that when he was slapped, uh, instead of recognized and received as a prophet of God, when he was he had his face slapped and threw him in a dungeon, and he sank down in the mire, down in that terrible circumstance and and I could try to describe aptly this wasn't a, a nice jail cell that looked nicer than a room in a I said it the other day, I think it's Scandinavia, There's a. There, it showed a jail cell in one of the prisons over there, you know, for for not the hardest core, but anyway, it, it looked, looked better than a Motel 6 motel room. I mean, seriously, I thought, this is punishment for wrong? <laughs> you know, I, I'd like to go in there for 30 days just to rest up. I'm just well, I'm not kidding. I'm just saying, not because I did something wrong. Friend of mine, what they put Jeremiah in to punish him uh, was was uh, it's like a pit in the ground with with uh, the great work of the bars over the top of it, and they drop you down into that pit. Uh, whoever was in there before, whatever was in there before, uh, made up the groundwater that seeped up into the pit, and he sank down into the mire. Now, friend, that is not a place where you can uh, finish your college education, or you can you can uh, you can write your memoirs or your book or study the Bible. No, he was down there isolated. He was in a terrible place to try to even sleep or rest in a terrible stink to even try to eat. And then when they got him in there, they fed him on the bread of affliction. Well, what is that? It's it's something that wouldn't kill him, but it wouldn't give him any joy in eating, just survival. Bread and water. A little bread, a little water. That's it. That was the menu. And he said in his discouragement, and, and I don't think any of us can, and no one was listening to him anyway. Nobody was repenting at that time. A great revival did not come and turn Israel around. But he finished his course. He was in the process of fighting a good fight, keeping the faith. Amen. But he had to come up out of that discouragement. And he said in his discouragement, I will not speak for God anymore. Someone is that discouraged today, and I want you to know, I've been in the ministry now, this is our 40, no, this is our 46th year and counting that I have been pastor slash evangelist of the Holy Church of God Incorporated, originating and still right here in Tampa, Florida. I want you to know, no matter how deep you may be in the mire and how deeply discouraged you are, God's Spirit didn't make a mistake. He does not abandon you. <laughs> Listen to what happened. Amen. This will probably tell the tale if you were really called to preach in the first place, because if you were appointed to preach and teach, the, the anointing is always following the appointing. Praise God. God will not appoint you unless he also is prepared and will anoint you for that. Amen. 
So he said, as I, as I mused on these things, after he made that statement, I'll never speak for God again. It didn't help people, and it's brought all this pain to me. He said, but I could not hold my peace, for it was as a fire shut up in my bone. I had to speak for God. Friend of mine, when Jesus came, He's, he said, John the Baptist indeed baptized you with water unto repentance, but there's one, John said it, the one coming after me, he said, whose shoes I am not even worthy to unlatch. When he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That fire shut up in the bones was not the Holy Spirit of the new covenant, but it was God's Spirit uh, coming upon him, not coming within him, but coming upon him. And in that state of discouragement, God's spirit still came upon Jeremiah. And he said, I've got to speak. I must prophesy. I must speak the truth. You know, they they looked for a real prophet when they found out the false prophets had 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 done them nothing but harm and had not changed. They prophesied peace when there was no peace. And Jeremiah told the truth, and it got him in such trouble. But it took trouble in Israel for them to look for a true prophet. And when they started looking for a true prophet, they didn't look to those that told them all is well when it wasn't. They looked for somebody who told them the truth. And while that man was down there coming out of his discouragement, they were getting ready to haul him up. Hose him down if <laughs> they had a hose. I don't know how they cleaned him off, but they brought him in to hear what he had to say. Do not give up on God today, dear friend, because God has not given up on you. And this fire is real today. Hey, man, I, I can tell you because it's shut up in my bones, too. And I think you feel that sometimes as the word is coming forth. Hallelujah. Friend of mine. It's important to read these letters of Paul to Timothy to understand what he was trying to instill in him. Paul said, I'm going, but you're going to stay here. And a mantle, really, of anointing was going to be passed, and spiritually speaking, uh, just like it was between Elijah and Elisha. Amen. God takes men to heaven. But he doesn't take mantles. And when Elisha went up, his mantle came floating down. And <laughs> Elijah went up, his mantle came floating down. And, and Elisha grabbed it, walked over to the River Jordan, slapped the river with that mantle, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the river stood up to let him cross on the dry ground. He proved that the God of glory uh, would be to him, same as he was to the one that he served, Elijah. Praise God for the anointing. Praise God for the mantle. My uncle was a preacher for many, many years with the Church of God organization. We're Holy Church of God, Independent Assemblies of God, a fellowship of independent ministries, not one in the same, but both with a Pentecostal perspective and belief system. And 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 when just before he went to be with the Lord, we had been to a meeting. We came outside that full gospel business men's meeting back then. We, we he stopped at the hood of the car, 
and he put his hand on me and he said, Bobby, he said, he said, I, I believe God is going to give you my mantle. He said, whatever you do, don't do anything to compromise the anointing because it is more precious than all the silver and all of the gold that this world could ever offer you. And friend of mine, I have tried not to do anything that would grieve nor quench the Holy Spirit, because that's, we uh, we used to sing it, didn't we, back, back in the day, old school Pentecostal song, hallelujah, it's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive, keeping me alive keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping, keeping me alive. Hallelujah. Well, this is very true today. That flame had just about went out in Timothy because of discouragement, and Paul wrote him, and he told him, he said, stir up the gift that is in you by the late... See, I told you, when when we're called and appointed to a spiritual office, we are anointed for that office. Amen. And it's the anointing. You can, you can have the greatest theological education. You can have a wonderful vocabulary, and you can be very personable and professional. But without the anointing, we only have what your your education can do and your professionalism and your personal personability can do. We, but when you have the Holy Spirit, you have what God can do. And I don't know about you, but from my perspective, we need more of what God can do. Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. We need the whole armor of God. We need every tool and weapon in God's arsenal to win this battle for the glory of God and to see souls come to Jesus out of Satan's prison house today. Praise God. We need every God-called, God-appointed, God-anointed preacher to stand up Hallelujah, and declare his truth, whatever the consequences today. So if this is you, and you're identifying with Timothy today, who was deeply discouraged, Paul said, listen, Timothy, he said, I know you have faith. It's in your grandmother, Eunice and Lois, your grandmother, your mother, I know it's in you. How did he know? He said, from a child that has known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Faith always comes the same way, doesn't it? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And, and Paul knew if you grew up in that house, you heard the Word of God. Some of you have got mamas like that. Some of you had grandmas like that. Now maybe you're the mama. Maybe you're the grandma. And you have the opportunity to sow that seed into someone else so their faith can flourish and God can God can call them and anoint them and appoint them to wherever and whatever he desires today. Praise God. Amen. So Paul told Timothy, so stir up the gift that is in thee by the laying on of hands. This is the impartation 
of the gifts that would accompany the calling in his life to be a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stir up the gift that is in thee by the laying on of hands. For God did not give us the spirit of fear. We're not talking about uh, a, a, a spirit from the netherworld. I believe there are spirits from, from Satan's pit of darkness that influence people. And I believe some people need deliverance from them. But Timothy, it was his spirit. It was his own spirit that was discouraged. It was his own spirit that that through fear of failure and, and fear of, of, of people's rejection, he had been like a turtle and pulled his head back in. He was timid when he should have been bold. Hallelujah. friend of mine, Paul, was telling him, stir up the gift that's in you through the laying on of hands because God didn't give us what you're manifesting right now, the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Praise God. Stir up in the Greek is one word, and it means to, to, to fan into flame a fire that threatens to go out because of neglect. To fan into flame. Maybe here in Florida, where I'm uh, speaking from, uh, we don't we don't bank up a wood stove at night. Certainly not a coal stove at night, like they do in many of the colder places in America and other countries where it gets very very cold. But what you do, you bank it up so that the, the the embers are still glowing, and the next morning you stir it up. And and you fan it into flame and put fresh kindling on it. And then the fire crackles forth. Praise God. Somebody's going to get stirred up out in this audience because God wouldn't have me going here today unless it was touching someone directly and distinctly. God is not done with you. Make no mistake about it. Praise God. I'm not, I'm not an apostle in, in the sense of Paul, uh, but I am a pastor slash evangelist. And I want to be an encourager to you today to stir up the gift that is in you, that is lying dormant, but it can come and it can crackle into flame and become a fire. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I just, I don't know. I want to stop here and reiterate God is not through with you today, amen, because, and he's not through with me, and I feel that flame within me to declare the gospel to as many people who will hear it, even if they don't listen, I am constrained by the, the love of Christ, amen, hallelujah, to continue to declare the gospel of Jesus in every way to everyone that will listen. Hallelujah. I want to go back to Uncle Bud Robinson for just a moment. He said, I pray that God will, will, that God will strengthen me to bite, to kick the devil as long as I've got a foot, to hit him as long as I've got a fist, to bite him as long as I've got a tooth, and to gum him until I die. Now, that's pretty old-fashioned, plain talking. <laughs> Maybe the verbiage and vernacular isn't, isn't like it ought to be. But you see, this man depended on the Holy Spirit and that fire that he imparts. And people 
came to know Christ without, uh, without all of the uh, attributes that many ministers may have today. But he had something that is critical to, to winning spiritual warfare and winning souls. He had the anointing of the Holy Spirit along with the appointing to preach the gospel. Praise God. It doesn't mean we need less education. No, but we need more anointing. I believe anyone would agree with that that reads this Bible and understands the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the proclaiming of it and in the in the effect of it on an audience. Amen. The weapons of our warfare, the Scripture said, are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, hallelujah, amen, literally bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ, mighty through God, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You see, this is when the Holy Spirit is flowing, we're trusting God to touch hearts, not just trusting our own abilities, but trusting His power and His person of power, which is the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told them. He gave them this sense of urgency to go and preach to everyone. But He said, don't go anywhere until you tarry at Jerusalem, and for you shall receive power after and only after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. You're going to need more than a great education and great eloquence. You're fighting a spiritual battle. You're going to have to do it with spiritual weapons. Hallelujah. So you hang in there until you get a hold of the power of God. And then you go. Hallelujah. And things are going to happen because the darkness is going to be pierced. The light is going to shine in those dark places of the mind. You remember the Bible said the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of men. And, 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 and it said that in the imagination of, of the heart and of man, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God must be brought down. This is that pride that blinds so terribly. Actually, when it said the God of this world hath blinded, that word blinded is tofluo in the Greek. And it actually means to puff up with pride. That's when people reject conviction, reject, I'm not going to bow, I'm not going to bow and confess my sin. But when that, that, that stronghold of darkness producing that pride is broken, and we see our desperate need for a Savior. We don't have any problem humbling ourselves, asking God's forgiveness, expressing true repentance, and receiving authentic salvation. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I'm, I'm going to read this today in 1 Timothy chapter... Uh, let's begin reading with 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. No, let's back up to 12. It said, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. 
who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious. But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. He's talking to Timothy. He's bringing him up. Listen, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said of himself, of whom I am chief. I'm the worst of the worst. He must have been referring to to holding the cloaks of them that stoned the first Christian martyr to death. He egged them on. He literally authorized them with, with, with papers from the Sanhedrin, uh, of the religious uh, hierarchy of that day, that these were blasphemers and should be killed. But look at verse 16. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Christ Jesus might show forth all longsuffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory for ever and ever. Amen. Praise God. This is the charge that I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith with a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck or ruin. And then he names them, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered to Satan, that they might learn not to blaspheme. Oh, friend of mine, it's so important today that we maintain our faithfulness to the Lord. Because there's a crown, Paul said, called the crown of righteousness. And he said, it's not just laid up for me, but all those who love his appearing. Because if you're longing for, if you love him, you're longing for, and if you're longing for him, friend, you're looking for him today. And if you're looking for him, you're concerned about pleasing God. More than pleasing self, more than pleasing the culture, more than pleasing people. You want to please the Lord. Hear him say on that day, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou in to the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to hear him say that. I, you know, I, I'm intrigued by what heaven's going to be like. I, I can't wait to see my loved ones. And, and really, brothers and sisters in Christ that have preceded me to glory, I can't wait to see my daughter who died uh, about a week and a half old, 10 days or so, sudden death in the hospital when intestines, when she was born, they were wrapped around one another. And when she took whole food, they burst and she died instantly. It's a little grave out in a little cemetery where a little bitty baby, a little premature baby, is buried. I'm looking for a fully mature daughter to come running down the streets of glory to show her daddy around the heavenly city. But before anything else, before the gates of pearl, 
before my dad, my mom, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, and many of which, and most of which I led to Christ. I want to see Jesus. I want to see the one that took my place on the cross, that took the curse, that took the chastisement, that took the hurt and the pain and the shame so I could be saved. <laughs> Having done that, I, I want to tour the city. But I want to start with Jesus. Oh, a friend of mine, I want to hear him say, if I could just hear him say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, the crown of righteousness. That's what I'm running for. Because it's Jesus that I'm living for. Today, He's calling you to faithfulness. And come back next week. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.